Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome to the show. Today we have a fabulous uh, new guest to uh, introduce you to, Dr. Larry Waldman. He is a retired psychologist. Welcome, Dr. Waldman. Um, Yeah, and we also have Dr. Sarah Bald with us as always. So um, I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about your background. Uh, Tell us about your education, your background, and, and, and talk about the books that you've written. Oh, thank you. Well, I've been around for a while. Uh, I started uh, in this field in uh, essentially in uh, 1971 as a uh, special ed teacher in uh, Racine, Wisconsin, which is a small town between Milwaukee and Chicago. I came out to uh, Phoenix in 73 and and started as a school psychologist for Scottsdale Schools. Uh, At the same time, I worked on my uh, doctorate at uh, ASU. Uh, Graduated in 78, I believe now, it's been a long time, Uh, and started practice uh, 79. Uh, Began working with with children and, and families and things, you know, and, and topics like that, and slowly uh, uh, expanded my practice, developed uh, uh, new niches, if you will, uh, <clears throat> and uh, moved uh, in the last oh, 20 years or so of my practice, uh, uh, right around uh, the mid-90s or so, uh, moved pretty much into the forensic arena. So I was in the, the uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, child, uh, fam- you know, family, uh, family law, uh, <clears throat> did a lot of work in personal injury, uh, med malpractice, uh, things of, of that, uh, things of that nature. Wow, you've wow. had quite the career and you're not done talking. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I uh, um, also uh, purchased a building in 2000. Uh, we had uh, uh, nine, uh, nine therapists, well, uh, nine clinicians, including uh, two psychiatrists uh, there uh, as well. Uh, I've done a fair amount of writing. Um, my uh, website uh, uh, is topphoenixpsychologist.com. Uh, and on it, um, uh, or in it, uh, uh, is uh, many articles I've written uh, over the years. Most of them have been published in the uh, local uh, local press, uh, so on. Um, and uh, I've written seven books at, at this point. Um, uh, some, you know, a couple of them we'll be talking about uh, this evening. Um, first one was Who's Raising Whom? Uh, <clears throat> a parent's guide to effective child management. Uh, the second one was coping with your adolescent. Uh, I like to I like to say if you haven't read Who's Raising Whom, you're certainly going to need uh, coping. <laughs> the companion manual. <laughs> sure, right. Uh, the third one is How Come I Love Him But Can't Live With Him. That's the uh, marriage manual, if you will. Uh, the fourth one. Um, it's, it's entitled uh, Too Busy Earning and Living to Make Your Fortune. Um, <clears throat> uh, fifth one is the uh, graduate course you never had, uh, how to develop and market and manage a thriving mental health practice. Uh, sixth one is overcoming your negotiophobia and negotiating your way through life. And the last one that I did uh, during COVID is entitled uh, Love your child more than you hate your ex. Uh, what every divorced parent needs to know. Well, I love the last two. I'd love to have you on and talk about those two separately uh, on a different show. That, that would be wonderful. Sure. Uh, 
And uh, in addition to uh, my, my practice, uh, I've also been an adjunct uh, prof um, uh, in, in counseling. I love working with um, young therapists and teaching them how to develop and manage and market their practices. I do a fair amount of coaching. I currently have uh, uh, four right now um, young clinicians that I'm coaching uh, on a regular basis to uh, you know, you know, develop their niche, uh, formulate a marketing plan, um, things, of, things of that nature, um, uh, getting vis visibility and, and so on. Uh, and I do, I've, I've done uh, uh, professional speaking uh, for the last 30 years or more. Uh, in fact, last, at last count I did uh, well over 150 uh, paid presentations. That's um, awesome. So yeah, I've, I've been- uh, I've So been, you have a little bit of experience. <laughs> yeah. uh, I also uh, consulted the social security. I was a medical consultant for, uh, for about 20 years um, and again, retired from that uh, just a year ago or so. Um, so um, I closed my practice at the end of 15, sold the building, but obviously I, I stay busy. I, I write, speak, teach, coach. So, um, Well, I'm really thrilled that you're here and I'm excited to have you uh, on the show and to talk about uh, uh, behavioral theory uh, and, and how it applies to parenting. And so uh, I'd love for Sarah to introduce herself and then we'll go ahead and get started. Sarah, can you talk a little bit about your background? And and I, I when I uh, when I'm saying Sarah, I'm talking about Dr. Bald, just for our listeners. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about you, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Absolutely. My resume is not nearly as impressive as Dr. Waldman's, but I've been lucky enough to have him as a mentor. Um, so hopefully, my resume will look like his one day. But currently, I do. I, I have no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> Currently, I do pediatric neuropsychology, so I evaluate kids for learning disabilities, ADHD, developmental delays. I see kids as young as three, um, as old as 25, 30. Um, I've even had a few parents in there as well. I do some individual counseling as well. Um, Dr. Waldman has convinced me to also join the presenter circuit, so I've been doing presentations on neurodiversity as it relates to learning disabilities, ADHD for a variety of different people. Um, and that's about, that's about it. I own my own practice. I'm at Nest Psychological. There's lots of things happening here. We just hired a speech pathologist. There's a lot of, lot of cool things happening with our practice and we're starting to grow and expand. So stay tuned for more. And you're that, getting that lots resume. of practical practice at home, right? Exactly. Yep. I, I've been joking <laughs> with my parents and I, those of our regular listeners know that I joke with my families now I can tell you all what the research says but I'm getting to live it real world these days so I'm able to tell you oh yeah what I suggested before no research says that's great not so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah in real life not everything works the same as research so I know I I think every day it's like a coin toss. I'm, I'm, I'm just so thrilled. Both my kids turned out to be successful. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I was like, Whoa, I'm done. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, so Dr. Waldman, let's go ahead and start with you since you've written some wonderful books and um, let's talk about behavioral theory. What is it? Can you, can you tell us a, a really good definition of what behavioral theory is? Well, well, to begin with, there are actually four different uh, schools of thought in, in the field of psychology, and most, most people don't recognize that. And, and of course, we're not here to talk about all four. And one of those schools uh, that's uh, probably one of the more contemporary schools, uh, founded uh, in the early 1900s in the US, uh, is this what we call the, the behavioral school. And, and essentially uh, what that school is about, and, and really it's, it's fairly simplistic in its theory, which is one of the reasons I like it for parents, 
um, is, is that uh, what we're really talking about here uh, is looking at the consequences of behavior. Um, essentially, what behaviorists believe is that you know, who and what we become um, basically uh, is, is the total culmination uh, of the consequences to the, to the behavioral choices that we have made. Uh, and so the behaviors frequently, not frequently, I mean regularly, uh, take a look at what we refer to as antecedents of behavior. In other words, you know, why is the, the person behaving in, in this manner? What is sustaining this behavior? Uh, and so on. And, and, and of course, you know, I, 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 I have spent thousands of hours in, in my career you know, talking with parents who are frustrated with their, their kids and so on, uh, and asking basically those, those questions. And, and the, the parents are, are often saying, well, he does this and she does that and so on and so forth. And many times uh, my, my question is, well, what happens when he or she does that? You know, what's the result? What are the consequences and, and, and so on? Mm -hmm. and, and, and many times they, they look at me quizzically like, well, that's a strange question, uh, but it really is, it really is, is critical. Uh, to lay some groundwork, if you will, um, I, you know, I, I often you know, stress to parents, uh, particularly of young children, uh, that the most important thing you know, we can give our kids uh, is our time and attention. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no, absolutely. there's no question about that. And I don't think anyone would, would dispute that. As a matter of fact, if, if a parent fails to provide time and attention, uh, I mean, the, the child is, is not going to thrive. Uh, in fact, they call it failure to thrive. They, uh, they can become sick and could possibly even have medical problems and so on. So parental attention is critical. So then you know, if we accept that, and I, and I think we have to, uh, the next question then is, well, when do we give this attention to our kids? Um, and, and I think that's where it becomes really interesting. <laughs> it really is. Sure. You know, when, yeah. when do our kids you know, get our attention? Uh, is it? when they're behaving appropriately and pleasantly and so on, or is it when they're behaving in an alternative manner, uh, an inappropriate manner? Mm -hmm. and, and what you know, unfortunately is happening um, <clears throat> in most homes across uh, this country, uh, and the research bears it out, um, is that about 90% of the time, when the child misbehaves, uh, he or she is about to get some parental attention. On the other hand, approximately 10% of the time, when the child is behaving appropriately, perhaps quietly, playing nicely with their siblings, <laughs> only 10% of the time do they get parental attention. So sure. If we recognize this, this basic formula, what we quickly understand is kids learn. Remember, you know, they, they don't have any textbooks to follow. All they know is what they live. That by and large, they get most of their attention when following inappropriate behavior. Oh, absolutely. I, I love what you said. You know, th there really is no manual for parenting. I don't know, Sarah, did you get yours? <laughs> you know, I got a little tiny manual, but, but it was mostly how to keep them alive. It wasn't the other stuff, the more important stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it's parenting is tough. It's really a tough job. And, and I think, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, of course, you know, by and large, you know, we don't get prepared for it. Uh, yeah. it it's rare that, that parents... Uh, you know, go and, and do reading and studying and so on. Um, you know, the, you know, we. <clears throat> I I remember back when you know, my my first son who was uh, just turned forty seven, uh, you know, was born. 
uh, and, and we took this, these courses, you know, to participate in the birth process and so on. Uh, and I think it was, you know, we had to meet uh, twice a week for like six weeks and so forth. And, you know, they, they, they talked about, you know, what's going on and, you know, and, and the birth process and, you know, and then, and then how to hold the baby and bathe them and things like that. Uh, and, and after the, the final, final visit, you know, I went up to the nurse and I said, you know, you did a very nice job, you know, teaching us and so forth. I said, but basically you, you brought us up to the first week, you know, of life. What <laughs> happens after that? Uh, You're on your own. <laughs> and I, and of course, you know, by then I was a practicing psychologist and, uh, and I said, you know, like, what about, you know, parenting and, and, and child management and, you know, behavioral stuff? And she kind of looked at me like. Her job is to keep them alive. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> right. So keep them alive and have the, you know, have the kids drive the parents crazy for the rest of their childhood you know, uh, and so on. And, and frankly, that's that's what what happens. Um, yeah. Parents get uh, so what happens you know, based on what I've already said is that a lot of uh, a lot of parents and kids get locked into what I refer to as the negative attention trap. Oh, I see that all the time, and I, I bet you that Sarah sees it all the time too. Would you agree, Sarah? Absolutely, and I'm falling into it myself. It's it's natural. It happens. I we've in my house we've discovered our scream in the last few weeks. And so someone gets a lot of attention when she screams because I'm behind on reports. I'm trying to get work done. Then I get a scream. So she gets lots of attention. So then we get more and more screams in the household and I'm stuck in this negative loop, even though I know exactly what's happening. You know, um, when, uh, when my daughter was little, you know, she was misbehaving. And I, and I used to say, you know, when, when they're little and they're manipulating you, it's really cute. You just don't want it to be happening when they're like 14. <laughs> You know, that, that's, that's, that's when the problems really get big. So well, exactly. But of course, if, if they're already doing it and as they will at three and four, uh, if we don't put a stop to it and so forth, they will be doing it at 14, 15 and so on. Absolutely. Yeah. I see that all the time. And that's, that's sure. a hard thing to fix. You know, if you, if you ask the average parent on the street, you know, do you think your three-year-old child is manipulating you? Most of them will go, are you kidding? Come on, kids don't manipulate. They don't, they're not smart enough. There is. And, and, and the funny thing is, is that in many of these cases, the, the kids are actually smarter than the parents. Oh, they know how to manipulate their parents. <laughs> Absolutely, they do. They're wired to push boundaries and to, oh, to test the limits. Right. That's their job. You have to respect that. <laughs> My, my younger son, who's, who happens to be a school psychologist and, and now just recently was promoted to a special ed director uh, who should know better, but again, it's his kids. He has twins, three and a half year old twins. And a couple of weeks ago, we were up there uh, uh, you know, caring for the kids because it was their spring break and both you know, he and my daughter-in-law you know, are working and so on. Uh, and, and I was watching this, of course, in, in action and, and so on. Uh, and it, it, was, it was just amazing. And the little girl, uh, she wanted uh, his, she, she wanted Clay's uh, toy, her brother's toy. Um, but he had it and, and there were other toys she could have played with, but she wanted that one. So she pulled at it, he pulled back. And, and she kind of lurched a little bit and she lets out a scream like she's been hurt, okay? Well, in comes you know, my, my son, like, and, and he sees this little girl crying and so on. So he comforts her, you know, and so forth. And then kind of scolds Clay. And, and, Who hasn't done anything. <laughs> right, all they did was hold on to his toy that he had. And, and he looks, you know, looks like, Huh? And I'm just sitting there. Of course, I, I don't say a word. Um, You're just trying to stay word, neutral. <laughs> right. The byword of grandparenting, and, and I do actually, I do talks on grandparenting in the new age uh, to seniors. 
Uh, I always say that whenever I come home from visiting my grandchildren, I always come home with a sore mouth. That's from biting <laughs> my tongue so much. Because yeah. uh, I don't say anything. Obviously, I see it, but I don't say anything. Well, you know, my daughter actually, my older daughter actually confessed to me when she was a teenager that when they were little, my younger daughter was manipulative. I mean, she was really good at manipulating me. She would, she would do what your, your uh, granddaughter would do. She would take something from Emily and then Emily would cry and I would come in and I would, I would automatically assume it was the younger one that was, you know, getting damaged or hurt or something. And so I would reprimand the older one I'm like you know why don't we just take a time out go sit in your room think about what happened and years later she you know she fessed up to what was really happening I was just like wow you know the younger (laughs) one was really good (laughs) she really had me figured out (laughs) but yeah it's amazing they do they absolutely do yeah Yeah. I mean they're they're so smart they really really are you know um we're getting close to the break. And what I'd like to do is uh, give people the information on how they can get your book again, if you don't mind sharing that. Well, they're, of course, uh, available on, on Amazon. All of them are, are there. Um, what basically I've been talking about thus far is uh, the who's raising whom and, and to some extent coping with your adolescent. Uh, uh, the other parenting book, again, is, is my last one, of course, which is... Uh, love your child more than you hate your ex, which is parenting kids you know, through and after the uh, divorce process. Absolutely. Thank you. So if you're looking for some wonderful books, uh, look up Dr. Larry Waldman, W-A-L-D-M-A-N. And uh, Dr. Sarah Bald, would you like to share your information before we go to break? Absolutely. You can find all of my contact information on my website. It's nest, N-E-S-T, psychaz.com. You can find my email, my phone number, all that good stuff right there. Thank you so much. And if you're looking to contact me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And while you're there, you can subscribe to our executive function magazine. You can go to our YouTube channel, You can listen to podcasts, you can listen to the live radio show, and you can also contact me should you be interested in any kind of coaching or consultation. Uh, We'll be back after these messages, and I just want to thank our listeners. Without you, the show would not be um, possible, so thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back after these messages. Thank you so much. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fawzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fawzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. So welcome back. Today we are talking with Dr. Larry Waldman and Dr. Sarah Bald. Welcome back. Um, so Dr. Waldman, let's let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about why parents should adopt this particular model. And and Sarah, feel free to join in. Um, I know you're you're hanging out with Briar, <laughs> and she's very cute, by the way. Since you guys can't see her, I thought I'd tell you. <laughs> But um, yeah, so um, yeah, because I, I know Sarah's definitely dealing with some of these issues on on her her own life. So, but and yeah, personal Walden, and professional, exactly uh, on this one. Right. Yeah, but I'm right. I'm absolutely thrilled to hear uh, Dr. Waldman's uh, perspective because he has such a wealth of information. So thank you for that, Dr. Waldman. Thank you. Uh, well. <laughs> 
Parents have to uh, uh, become a bit more systematic, uh, if you will, you know, if they're going to do a, a really superb job of, uh, of parenting and, and child management. Um, and and that, that requires a couple of things. You know, first off, you know, being aware uh, of what we've just been talking about. And, and that is looking at things you know, uh, a little more objectively in, in terms of you know, what is the child doing and what are the consequence, consequences of those acts. Right. And, and, if, and if parents can start recognizing that and learning to do that, uh, that goes a long way uh, toward you know, managing the behavior uh, more efficiently. Uh, also, you know, there, there needs to be a, a consistency to this. You know, the, the, you know, Absolutely. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of parents you know, parent pretty much according to how they happen to feel at, at that moment. You know, so you get situations where the child does something and, and maybe the parent at that moment uh, feels uh, rested and okay and so forth. And so there is little of any kind of reaction to it. Yet a day later, uh, the child does something similar, but the parent now is overtired or hungry or upset or whatever, or tense. And there's a huge reaction. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, this is confusing. You know, there, you know, it, it, there needs to be a similar kind of consequence to the same kind of behavior over and over and over again. You know, I, as I used to, you know, coach parents and say, you know, if the child knows where the limits are, they're not going to test them very much. But if yes. the limits are changing on a daily basis, then they're going to search them out. So by being inconsistent, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot, if you will. Oh yeah. The kids are going to re react, you know, much more erratically. Um, and, oh, I, you know, I had a student that um, I did not work well with. He he was actually uh, very difficult to work with. He would make progress and then he would just stop, and he was failing his classes. And I asked him why. I said, I said, your parents are working so hard to help you get to where you need to be so that you can, you know, pass this, this, uh, this grade. And he said to me, um, it didn't matter because if, if, if he'd go to school and he just didn't do his homework, the school would pass him anyway. And his parents, if he kept at them enough times, they'd still let him do everything he wanted to do. So they weren't being consistent and it was really detrimental to his success. Exactly. I think of the uh, behavior model very much like the person you get in the elevator with who pushes the door close button like 500 times. They started just doing it once and then they did it <laughs> twice and then they did it five times and it took five times to work that time and the next time it didn't work at five times so then they pushed it 10 times and that's why you get in the elevator with them and they're smashing the door close button because over time there was that inconsistency in their response to the door so they're going to do it more and more and more. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and then of course you 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 also have this classic case, you know, where you know, <clears throat> and again, this is this this has probably happened uh, uh, five thousand times across this uh, country this you know this very evening, you know, where where the uh, the the little little the five year old boy uh, walks into the kitchen as mom is preparing dinner, and says. Uh, I'm hungry, I, uh, I'd like a cookie. And mom, of course, says, no, Johnny, you know, we're going to have dinner in, in a little while. Uh, you can't have a cookie, it'll spoil your appetite. So what does Johnny do? He throws a cookie. <laughs> and, and again, mom, it's like, you know, is Johnny deaf? You know, repeats herself. I know, Johnny, I said, you know, you can have a cookie, you know, dinner is, is going to be in 15 minutes, you know, you, you know, you, you can have, you can have a cookie after, you know, you eat a good supper. So. But I want a cookie. And again, 
she repeats it again. So the child already is learning. If he asks, he's going to get the same lame explanation. So you see, he's already not only getting attention, now he's getting control as well. Okay? So this goes on you know, another time or two until finally mom is fed up and frustrated because she's constantly dealing with this kid who wants this cookie. And finally she says, okay, take your damn cookie and you know, get out of here. Okay? <laughs> and so, we've all seen then, this in practice. I know we have. It's, it's, uh, it happens so course. much. So, oh, yeah. Exactly. So again, from the behavioral view, what did Johnny learn? He the learned that he has. repeats. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You can see where mother is shaping up a very obstinate, obnoxious little kid. Yeah. Now, now the irony is, is that following morning, you know, she's talking to her neighbor and she says, I don't know what's wrong with my kid. He is <laughs> such a stubborn ox. Mm -hmm. Well, wait a minute. It, it, she's implying that somehow that's genetic, which is one of those other schools that someday we can talk about. Right. Yeah. But obviously, in this case, it's, it's not genetic, it's behavioral. He has learned that if he's persistent in his request, there's a good chance that he's going to get that cookie, you see. So if uh, we were going to implement this so that a parent is successful, what would that look like? Well, you know, that I used, I coached parents saying, you know, think before you say something, you know, you know if, um, you know, if you believe that, you know, having a cookie right now is, is just unacceptable, then you say it once and you're done. Exactly. You don't have to repeat yourself. Right. And you shouldn't repeat yourself. Of course not. You act as if, you know, he's not there anymore. Uh, yeah, I remember when my daughter, my younger one was about three and something happened. We had just moved into a house. She wanted something. And I said to her, no. And she literally was rolling around on the floor, throwing a temper tantrum. And I'm literally stepping over her as she's having this temper tantrum, ignoring the temper tantrum, doing all the things that I need. After about 10 minutes, she stood up. She goes, I guess I'm not getting what I want. She walked away. <laughs> so it was all an act. <laughs> there is no such thing as a temper tantrum without an audience. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm not getting what I want, so right. I will move on. <laughs> and I'm going to follow you around the house. If my audience is leaving, I'm following you. Exactly. You know, exactly. I've, I've instructed <laughs> parents to conduct this experiment at least, I don't want to exaggerate, 150 times in my career. Wow. And, and, and what I'll say is, when, is this, uh, when your kids start to squabble, and you know, they start that, you know, and so on, uh, instead of putting on a referee shirt and getting a whistle and, and have to, you know, work them apart, simply leave the room Go to your room, sit on the edge of the bed, and see what happens. And when, and when the first time when I ever say that to parents, they often look at me like, oh, my God, there, there's going to be blood on the floor and so on. And I said, trust me, I've been doing this a half century, and it's never happened. So <laughs> give it a shot. And, of course, the following session, they always say the same thing. And I said, well, what, what happens? Like, I don't know. And she says, well, you know, they started that squabbling and, you know, blah, 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 blah. and I simply picked up, didn't say a word. I walked into my room. I left the door open. I sat there on the edge of the bed. And within 15 seconds, both kids brought the fight to me. <laughs> hey, mama. <laughs> and I said, so what did you learn from this? And she said, I learned that their fighting is actually an attention getting mechanism. It's theater. They want me to break it up. And I said, mm -hmm. what good is that? They need to learn to settle their own hash, not, not you to fix it for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, you always got to think about what is that functional behavior? Are they trying to get something? Are they trying to get your attention? Are they trying to avoid your attention? What is the function behind their behavior? What are they trying to get out of you? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what did these parents end up doing to change the behavior? Well, the first step, well, the first step, of course, is awareness. So, you know, and, and that's important. They, they have to see what's happening. They have to understand, you know, this, this relationship between behaviors and consequences. So that's step number one. Once we have that in place, then the first step basically is to increase the amount of good behavior the kid is already exhibiting. Now that often throws them a curve because they, they'll say, wait a minute, I didn't come here to increase their good behavior. I came here to stop the bad behavior. And I, and I say, yeah. You can't do one without the other. <laughs> exactly. But I said, yes, I get that. But right now you, you're getting all this bad behavior because that's where they're getting all their attention. If we can, you know, if we can flip the switch, if you will, and now start giving them the attention they deserve and need for following the good behavior, there now is a concomitant decrease in the need to misbehave. And, and so the first step, or the second step then, is, they, you know, is we teach them to learn how to catch, you know, catch them when they're good. Yeah, I think it's really important um... To catch them when they're good and, and really reinforce that. Some of the things that I did with my kids when they were little is we, we did a date night. So each of my girls got one night where they got to plan out everything we did. And, you know, whether it was going out for ice cream, just sitting and talking or having an actual meal made or going for a walk, whatever it was, I, I let them plan our, our little mommy daughter date night. And, and it was really fun. And, um, but it gave them that positive one-on-one -on -one attention that they were craving. And I think Absolutely. that's really important. You know, parental attention is like gold, cash, okay? And what you're doing is buying the behavior when you're spending it, okay? I used to tell parents that all the time. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I used to accuse parents of parenting according to what I call the sleeping dog philosophy. You know, oh, please dog, explain that. <laughs> yeah, when the dog is sleeping, you leave it alone. Yes. <laughs> so if the kids are behaving appropriately, you leave them alone. No, you know, it might work for the dog, but it doesn't work for the kids. Uh, you know, if the kids are, are playing checkers quietly, you know, in the game room, you know, you don't look in and look out and go, oh, I hope that continues. I hope it can. No, <laughs> you know, you put, you walk in there, maybe, you know, pat them on the back and say, hey, guys, I really love the way you're playing so quietly and cooperatively. Uh, you know, I love seeing that, you know, maybe when maybe when we're done or something like that, you know, we'll, we'll bake, you know, we'll bake cookies or brownies for dessert tonight or something like that. Okay. So yeah. we reinforce that behavior, then you can leave the room again, uh, and, and so on. That's the whole idea, is, 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 is now parents are looking through a different prism. You know, yeah. inst instead of being on the lookout for all the bad behavior and then pouncing, no, now we start looking for the good behavior, and that's when we recognize it. Yeah, and being I, I, really specific in that feedback, not just the good job, buddy. Uh, sure. I really like what this, this is exactly what I like that I'm seeing. And then having that reward, that reinforcement afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, now, now we're getting a bit more technical, but that's exactly right. Because you know, <laughs> there, is, there is a way to reinforce appropriately. And, and just like you know, Dr. Bolt said, you know, say, saying to a child, good job or way to go, proud of you. I refer to that as a compliment, okay? But it's not reinforcement. Uh, we use reinforcement to increase the, the specific appropriate behavior. But if the child doesn't know what that appropriate behavior was, how are they going to repeat it? You know, right. so, so it's important that, that parents reinforce, just like I gave the example with them playing checkers, cooperatively, <laughs> quietly, you know, et cetera. Etc. So they know what's being reinforced. Yeah. I worked with a little boy once who 
I was asking him something and I was like, well, what does it mean to be good and to do good? And he's like, I don't know. It's like, cause he had no idea. No one had ever told him what doing a good job really was like what right. that actually meant. I don't think most kids get that definition. I think most kids go to school and their parents, they come home and their parents ask him, you know, were you good today? I don't know what that means. Right. Exactly. No, no question. Exactly. Yeah, so, it's, there's, um, there needs to be a definition somewhere in there. Yeah, we, we have to be very specific about it. So they know exactly you know, what it is that, that uh, is getting you reinforced. Otherwise, it's like, who knows? Okay. Now, they like the compliment, but that, but that doesn't really work for you because you know, they, they have no way of knowing what, what, to, uh, what to repeat. Yeah, absolutely. Along those lines, by the way, in fact, it's one of my favorite stories. When I'm getting ahead of myself, but when we get to <laughs> punishment, maybe some other time, yeah. you need to be specific as well. Just like you don't say good job, you don't say bad boy. You know, right, uh, right. What is it that you did that was that was good? And and I I, I was talking to this mom, and and this mom was telling me in a session you know, that she had consequenced uh, uh, her son for some misbehavior uh, with with no TV for a week, which is ridiculous. To begin yeah, with. I agree with you. That yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. For, you know, for usually no TV for the rest of the day is, is appropriate. Yeah. Any, any longer than that, forget it. But, you know, she did it for a week. All right. So I said, so how did that work? She says, no, well, not very well. She said, you know, the other day, you know, he said to me, can I watch TV? And, and, and she said, I said, no, you know, you're punished. You can't watch TV till Friday. And, and, and the boy said, but why, what did I do? And the mother went, uh, I don't remember. I just know you're punished. <laughs> And I turned to her and said, now explain to me, what is the value of the punishment is, is when you and your son had no idea what the misdeed was in the first place? And then who are you punishing, really? Because now this child comes to you and says, uh, I, can't, I don't know why I can't watch TV. So now they're just angry with you and you can't turn on the TV because, well, you told him he can't have the TV. So you're kind of both punished at the same time. It becomes really strange. I, I am not a fun, I, I'm not a fan of punishment at all. I think there should be natural consequences to behavior. And I don't think anything should really go outside of that day, you know, because I, I used to have parents to say, well, I, I grounded him for the whole week. I'm sorry, you grounded who for the whole week? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense to me because now you have to deal with that for the whole week, whereas you could just deal with it for that moment, teach the lesson, and it doesn't become punishment, it becomes a learning experience. And I think that's where I have an issue with parenting. I, I treated parenting like a job. Um, so I I was constantly reading, I was constantly trying to learn. And you know, one of the things that I did to deal with the attention issue is we did dinner theater every night. Uh, while I was preparing dinner, I had my kids prepare uh, um, their dinner theater. And so they would, I kid you not, we had music every night. One would play the piano, the other would sing, or one would play the violin. And I had them because they were both in dance. So every night I had them create, create a, a dance and a song. And after dinner, they got to perform while I put the dishes away. And I never had fighting after dinner. I never had arguments before dinner. When dinner was ready, they were ready to eat. It was like the smoothest evenings. And I was here from my friends. They would call me, oh, it's the witching hour. You know, my kids are acting out. They're this or they're that. I, thought, I never had that because I knew they were going to have theater anyway. I might as well create it for them. <laughs> and so, Not giving them you know, great, great, great attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> You know, and you know this this notion of this delayed feedback, you know, is, is critical. And whether whether we're talking about punishment, you know, or or, or con negative consequence, or even positive reinforcement, or even trying to reinforce it, because parents make the same mistake. Oh, you know, absolutely. The child, the child is is doing something, and they say, you know, uh, you keep this up, and on Saturday we'll go to the park. 
you know, that's like telling somebody, you know, if, if you uh, save your money and so forth for a rainy day, you know, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll have a lot, you know, a nice retirement. Well, we all know that. <laughs> how, how many people do that? Um, and the thing is, that's a concept kids don't really get. I mean, they, they really don't get that, especially if they're young, you know, it, it's. They don't have the brain I, development yet to understand no. that. No. You know, yeah, I, I give, it's I give too abstract. Example. Yeah, I give the example I like again with with parents. You know that that if a person who is is trying you know to uh, go on a diet, okay, and and so they they sit down and they they for dinner they have a, a, a chicken breast uh, with uh, with a dollop of peas uh, and they wash it down with some unsweetened tea. And when they finish their meal, they go into the bathroom and step on the scale and see it click down three pounds. Okay. Now, if if that could happen, if they, you know, how how hard would it be to continue to eat that way? It's still going to be hard because half our populations are overweight. Well, I know, but <laughs> I mean, it'd be way easier if you got that instant gratification exactly. of the scale going down. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, I, I get your point, but even with instant gratification, <laughs> some things are still hard. Sure, sure. <laughs> but 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 again, it, it, but unfortunately, of course, as we know, we don't lose weight that that way, not not that quickly. And so so if if that if delayed reinforcement defeats most adults, what's it going to do to children? Absolutely, I. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. I think I, I really appreciate this wealth of information that you're bringing to our listeners. Uh, we have about seven minutes left and I'd really like to talk about like any advice that you have for parents who are dealing with parenting in this really challenging time. I mean, they've got kids who are having more mental health issues than usual. They're having kids that are at home who are behind in academics and, and they're just really struggling with parenting and family issues, what would be your best advice? Well, first, uh, I'd get educated, uh, do some reading and so forth. But, you know, if, if, that, if that doesn't do it, then, of course, seek help. I mean, there are experts out there. This, this is what it's about. You know, if, if you're driving down the street and your transmission starts making a terrible noise, uh, what do you do? Uh, keep driving until it falls out in the middle of the street uh, or go into a, a transmission shop. I mean, you know, we, we, we have to seek help. Uh, and that's uh, why uh, uh, people like ourselves are, are out there. Absolutely. And what do you think, Dr. Bald? What is your best piece of advice? I'm a broken record, I feel like, but my advice is always, self-care, self-care, self-care. You got to be level-headed like Dr. Walden was talking about earlier. Sometimes you're going to respond the way you want to because you're in the right mental state to do so. You're emotionally vested in it. You have the capacity to deal with that in the moment. Sometimes you're going to snap. So making sure you feel full as, as the parent so that you can be responding consistently every time so that you're able to take that next step of, okay, how do I want to respond in this situation? What is my line and how do I stick to my line in the, in the sand, so to say? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you call it self-care. Sometimes I think just a timeout is good self-care. Like just telling your kids, I, I need a few minutes and taking either a walk or going to your room or whatever it is you need to do to come back and be level-headed <laughs> because we don't always, uh, have a level head when we're dealing with kids. And I think a lot of times our guard is down when we're dealing with family anyway. And we say things maybe we don't really mean. We say things that we might not even say to somebody that, you know, we don't know very well. So we have to really watch what we say to our kids because they listen to every single word and, and it sticks with them. <clears throat> so it's very important. And we, we also, just to let our listeners know, um, Dr. Bald brought Briar and she's just very cute in case you wanted to know. Um, I'm just seeing the back <laughs> of her head right now, but she is very cute. <laughs> yes. She, I don't know who she looks like. I, she must look more like her dad. She totally does. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, she's much lighter this week too, which is successful. It's always a good nice. week when we talk about that parenting balance. I'm definitely living it right now. And she usually is with us when we do these. Yeah, absolutely. Fall asleep. <laughs> so, 
That's so cute. All right. Well, you know what? I, I love, I love that she's, she's here joining us. She, uh, she's not making any noise and she's just being really, really good. So, um, yeah. You missed, uh, last time, Dr. Waldman, she, it was quite the opposite. So ah. I'm very grateful. Ah. Today. Yeah. Uh, Sarah was doing, uh, quite the dance going back and forth <laughs> between the microphone and, and dealing with whatever Briar wanted and, <laughs> It was, it was quite the juggling act and we weren't quite sure the audio was going to work, but we ran it anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I just really want to thank you both for being on the show today. It's, it's been really awesome. And Dr. Waldman, I would love to invite you back uh, anytime you'd like to come. I, I would love to offer you a one-on-one uh, session so we can talk more about your uh, books. Cause I think you have a wealth of knowledge to share. And, and, and I think it's important to share that because you know, I think you can help a lot of people without being in a one-on-one session. Um, yeah. And, and thank you. So, and Sarah, as always, it's a pleasure having you here. If you'd like to get a hold of Dr. Larry Waldman, you can look up for, you can look, um, on Amazon for any of his books and Waldman is spelled W A L D M A N. And, um, Sarah bald, if you'd like to get in touch with her, um, her email is nest psych is that correct sarah yep nest psychaz.com okay and dr waldman you were have you had one more thing you wanted to say well and then uh, my my website is top phoenix psychologist.com uh, thank you <laughs> on it i have uh, i've listed all my books i have probably about three dozen articles uh, i have hours of podcasts and uh, radio shows and, and, and TV shows that I've been on. You could spend several hours uh, on that if you would. I don't expect you to, but, and so on. But there's a lot of good information uh, on, on that site. Well, there you go. If you're looking for valuable information from a wonderful psychologist, go to topphoenixpsychologist.com and you'll find all his information there. If you're looking to get in touch with me, you can go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com, and you can subscribe to our Executive Function Magazine there. You can look at the website, I'm sorry, the um, uh, YouTube channel, as well as the radio show. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can email me directly from the website. Um, I do offer a free consultation. So if you'd like that consultation, feel free to give me a call at 480-648-1122. And once again, thank you so much for listening. Um, Without you, we would not have a show. And we will chat with you again next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.